I assure you that We're in this business. What is up, people? I am Brian Kern, the host of the Common Chaos Podcast, the podcast that you're listening to right now. Of course, because why else would you be hearing my voice unless you knew that you were listening to the Common Chaos Podcast, unless you're being forced in like an interrogation to listen to this because my voice is so annoying. That could be the case in some weird reality. Anyways, how's everybody doing? This is my first episode back since I went to California. Had myself a little trip. It was fun. It was exciting. I was glad I was able to do it. Thank you, everybody, that was able to take time out of their days, out of their busy schedules, to come and see me, come say hi, come hang out with me. Um, I wasn't all all play the whole time. I know that from the last two episodes, if you listened to them, if you read my blog, you probably thought that I was just in like this weird partying out of my mind state, and I wasn't. I got a lot of work done. I actually posted an episode, did a lot of content for the website, uh, did, did schoolwork. Did a bunch of shit while I was down there, so I was productive. I wasn't completely a waste while I was down there, but I was completely wasted while I was down there. So, there you go. Um, no, yeah, I had a great time. I was able to hang out with friends, hang out with family, uh, see everybody who I've been missing for ever since I've been out in Austin. Um, but it was cool because it gave me a chance to reset and appreciate Austin as home. And... Um, it allowed me to definitely reset, definitely put work on the back burner, the nine to five on the back burner, um, certain aspects of this on the back burner, having to schedule and things like that, interviews and reaching out to people and talking, being involved in discussions. Um, it was nice to kind of put all that aside and just know that I was going to have a good time, let loose, um, just live it up, party with my friends, have a good time, celebrate life, celebrate just being a human being, celebrate being able to do cool things, um, and it was a it was a blast, definitely a blast. Uh, not to say that it was a hundred percent positive and perfect, because I don't think any any trip is ever, um, you know. And I had my occasional like, oh shit, what the hell moments as as they come, you know. But hey, I was able to deflect, I was able to parry, I was able to move around and and dodge these punches, dodge these hits, and have a good time. Took very little damage while I was out there, and I appreciated uh, everybody taking the time again to hang out with me and see me. I love you guys so much. Um, it was a good time. Uh, I wrote a blog recently and put that up on the website and about what home means to people and what home means to me and, and how being out there has helped me or going out there helped me transition from that being my like home base where I'm from and I have family and roots and all that's there to Austin, Texas being my home. Um, I've subconsciously probably tried to distance myself from Texas while I've been out here. I still have my California driver's license. I still have my California plates. You know, um, sometimes some things that I still have under a California address, what have you. Um, and I think that that's like a, a, a defense in a way to not fully be rooted in Austin, Texas, which there's no reason to not be. I love it out here. Uh, opportunities are great. People are awesome. Weather, for the most part, is beautiful. Um, and I, so I don't know why it it didn't take until this last trip home to really go, oh, hey, I do need to assess my home in Austin. Like, I need to be out here full-time, be out here mentally full-time, um, you know, not be so attached back home, 
for whatever weird reason I was. And uh, it, it, it took, I don't know, it, it just, it kind of, that, that just kind of washed over me while I was visiting home. And it was kind of a different perspective to have myself when I'm always so emotionally attached to home and emotionally, um, I guess, just involved with things that are still going on out there. Um, but going out and talking to people and hearing people's desire to move and get out of the desert and expand their wings and fly and, you know, whatever cheesy uh, analogy you want to use. People are longing to get out of that place because it's just this weird pit that you get trapped in. And I encourage you all to do so. And I think that's what kind of flipped that switch for me was, uh, you know, the desert will always hold a special place for me. It will always be home. It will always be my stomping grounds. Um It'll always be where I, where I rest my flag and go, hey, this is where I have family. I'll always go to the desert. I'll always, I'll always love it, Southern California. Shout out. Mwah, you're beautiful. Um, but I've, I've, I've flown the nest. I've flown the nest officially, I think. Uh, I, am, I am Austin. I'm a Texan now. I'm in Austin, Texas. Uh, I have an appointment to go get my driver's license. Uh, I made an appointment to also uh, get my plates and shit done. I'm, I'm being a goddamn productive citizen of Austin, Texas, people. Uh, and it took going home to realize that. Uh, and I'm glad it did. Um, so that was fun. Not a whole lot has happened in the world since I have been away uh, to really get deep on and to really talk about. So I'm just going to touch on some uh, basic topics for today, some relevant topics that are going on, as well as try to hone in on um, finding that just that inner that inner umph. You know, I went home for a vacation. I knew I was going to go home and re- reset and relax um, and not have much on my mind. Um, but I was also, you know, I also experienced some things where I was like, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm constantly still moving. I'm moving forward. I'm, 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 I'm taking those pieces and still building this puzzle of growth or progression that I'm trying to achieve. Uh, and it was nice being able to talk to friends, talk to family members, uh, you know, see how they've been doing and hear their stories, hear what their, their lives are like, their feelings are like, because I haven't been as involved since I've moved, obviously. And uh, it seems like everybody's on that on that progress train. You know, everybody's making moves, becoming adults, becoming functioning members of society um, and being able to actually go back and see how people are, are viewing the world um, through maybe different lenses or different perspectives. Me being a- detached from them. Uh, it's nice. You know, normally I, f- I feel like having friends, you kind of share the same beliefs and share the same, uh, you know, morals or ethics, whatever it may be. And um you know, that may not be natural for all people. You know, a lot of it could be influence of your friends and your surroundings and who you're hanging around with. Um, so now that I've been detached from that and I get to kind of come back and see this genuine organic version of my friends that I'm not influencing in any way outside of me just visiting, um, it's nice to see their perspectives and their feelings on things. And the if the podcast with Andrew proved anything, it's that you can you can bear a lot of chaos, right? I've been talking about chaos and order a lot recently. That's the backbone of this podcast. You can embrace the chaos more than the order and still live a very functional, productive life. And Andrew, I think, is a shining example of that. Uh, To get kind of the full oomph, definitely go back and listen to that episode I did with him. I know it's a long one, but it gets emotional. It gets very real at times. Uh, It gets very intense. We almost sound like we're arguing at one point, which I want to point out, we are not, and I'm going to actually drop a nugget of knowledge for you guys that I picked up uh, while I was in California. Um, it was in this 
I was reading this quote book. I was I was waiting at the coffee shop. I actually wasn't waiting at the coffee shop. I had I'd gotten some coffee, decided I was going to hang out for like a half hour, browse the internet. Um, and they actually had this like bookshelf uh, with uh, different just books. There's a bunch of books, magazines, a plethora of things in there. Uh, so I decided, you know what, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to scour through this, see if I can find anything that's like a short read, something interesting. Came across this little quote book. Um, and it, there wasn't, I don't know if this is necessarily a quote, but it was an excerpt in the book and it said, an argument is when two people are trying to decide who is right. And a discussion is when two people are trying to discuss or discover which idea is right or which, uh, you know, plan or topic or not topic, but yeah, which idea is right. So keep that in mind, bear that in mind. An argument is when you are trying to decide who is right. A discussion is when you are trying to decide what is right. And it's, that kind of was like, like, oh shit, my mind's exploding. Because uh, it's true. And you see that in different forms and fashions all across uh, the world in terms of like social media, how uh, basic conversations can be kind of turned into either discussions or arguments. And I think arguments are a, a centerpiece for either, uh, not like advertising, but the arguments uh, create emotion behind them. You know, you get people involved emotionally and then you, uh, when you have an argument, people can feel like personally attacked. And you see that as a, like a narrative for mainstream media. You see that in the, as the main narrative in politics, you know, uh, and that's what I think is like a focus point of this discussion uh, or this disc this conversation is uh, politics is driven off of arguing back and forth rather than having discussions, and I think that's huge. Once people grasp that, like that's a uh, something that I think can spearhead a change in the political format in th of the U.S. is is not basing who is going to be the next candidate for whatever uh, off of arguments and who's winning arguments and who's right but off of having discussions and what is right. And maybe we can get rid of this back and forth team versus team idea, them versus us idea, and have more of like a collective of ideas on what is right, what is right, not who is right, you know? And so I think that's something important to think about. And that kind of, I wrote that all while I was in California. And I think I read that maybe after me and Andrew had our podcast and I think that's maybe why it impacted me so much is because during the podcast me and Andrew were getting deep in in what in relevance the relevance of people's actions and the relevance of people's things we get very very into that conversation and there is a moment where it kind of seems like we're arguing who is right and that's not the the point that's not the case and looking back and revisiting the podcast I tell him I go you t you're you're getting on my you're testing my patience like I thank Andrew for that so much and I'm grateful for that that we had this podcast because uh it was the first tough one where like my patience were tested and I was he just wouldn't shut the fuck up and I was trying to make my point and I guess it was an argument to an extent because I was trying to make my point and I was getting pissed I was getting so like why won't you shut the fuck up let me just talk um but anyways, it, that reading that quote afterwards impacted me. And I was like, yes, that's exactly the point of, of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to have people have discussions so we can progress and move forward. Um, 
And so I haven't talked about this much, but I'm going to talk about it now because I think it's a good way to kind of segue that into. I have the opportunity to interview a uh, mayoral candidate here in Austin. His name is Travis Duncan. Uh, He actually just did a podcast with my good buddy Trent uh, on the Trent Knox show. You can check it out on his Facebook and I believe on iTunes and Stitcher, the Trent Knox show. Um, I'm going to have the opportunity to interview him. And he is very forward thinking, very new movement minded. Uh, contrarian if you would in terms of going against the norm and uh, in regards to like policy and uh, public policy and like social policies that have to do with the homeless and how we get our resources here in the Austin area Uh, and he's running a pretty he's running a campaign that's not the normal political campaign Uh, and that's why that's what's drawn me to him he's coming at he's coming at the system in a weird way uh, and so I'm going to have him on the podcast here, uh, I believe, at the beginning of September. Uh, he goes on the ballot in November when the uh, when voting takes place this year. And he is up against the incumbent right now, uh, Stephen Adler, I believe is his name. And uh, he, there's this other lady that's on the ballot that's just a fire horse of like political uh, involvement. She's on the council. She's on the board of, of members or the, or the council council members, I think, right now in Austin. Uh, and a lot of people are supporting her. She's actually got signs like all around my neighborhood that are up in people's yards. Um, so Travis is definitely running this very tough race out here in Austin, and I'm going to have him on, and I hope that we can kind of touch on that uh, discussion aspect of politics because I think that he has a lot of ideas that people need to talk about in terms of having a discussion, not an argument. I don't, I don't know if he necessarily, I don't know what his plans are or how his campaign is. is uh, I don't know if they even do debates or any type of uh, back and forths on the mayor level. But if he was to be, you know, at like a town hall or a, uh, a city hall meeting and people are going to be asking him tough questions about policy and, you know, how he plans to change, regu- you know, implement regulations and change things on a, on a pretty big scale, because that's what he's looking to do. Uh, I, I'm not too sure how he's going to approach that, but I definitely want to I'm, I'm, I'm interested. It's intriguing to me and I'm curious to see how he handles the uh, like resistance to his ideas if he's able to kind of steer away from that political argument narrative that's that's there so much you know hey this is why w- this team needs this and the republic you know the other side they don't want this because like will it turn into an argument or will he kind of hold it more discussion based so i'm really really excited to talk to him about that and see what his plans and ideas are um, so i will be having him on the podcast uh coming up here shortly and yeah I think that that's um, I think that's important. So remember, a discussion is between which I- is to discover which idea is right, and an argument is to discover who is right. Uh, definitely lean more on the sides of discussions. I also have to give a shout out to my fans, to the people that are interested in the podcast, that are listening and actually engaging on social media, things of that nature. You guys have done a fantastic job of that discussion example. I have had multiple discussions on my social medias and my public platforms um, that have definitely had the potential to end in arguments and there even have been some arguments but for the most part the people that I uh that are in my niche that are listening to me are on the discussion side and I applaud you guys for being civil over social media because I know how hard it can be to not be a troll and to not be a cyber bully and to not talk shit because you're behind a screen I know it's tough so give it up I appreciate you guys um really just embracing that discussion mindset and uh, trying to figure out what's going to be best for everybody Um, because I think that's the ultimate goal. Am I right? Boom. Second nugget of dropping knowledge for you guys. This actually isn't a... uh, 
a nugget of knowledge, but it's a it's some words of wisdom, I'll say, from my good buddy. Well, it's not from my good buddy, Rashawn, but Rashawn sent it to me. Rashawn Valentine. Shout out to Rashawn Valentine. I love you, brother. Um, Rashawn is a friend of mine. He is an actor, an all-around sweetheart. Um, and he just shot me this text message randomly the other day, and here's what it says. Trying to be someone you're not won't get you anywhere. Waiting for someone or something to light your fire won't get you anywhere either. So how are you going to get there? Believe this. Everything you need to be great is already inside you. All your ambitions and secrets, your darkest dreams, they're waiting for you to just let go. What's stopping you? Pretty powerful, right? Um, I think that's hard for a lot of people just to let go and embrace this weird uh, feeling that they have inside. You know, they feel like that they need to live a certain lifestyle or, uh, you know, live a life a certain way to be accepted um, or to, you know, gain anything whether it be socially or financially you have to conform you have to whatever be a yes man whatever have you uh in situations across the spectrum whether it be from a retail job to uh in hollywood there's a constant struggle and battle of people trying to be who they're not and uh they wear this facade of what have you and it can be confusing it can be confusing to friends and to family members and to yourself because maybe you don't feel like you're who you truly should be um, and I think that Rashawn encapsulates, uh, he is the definition of living your dream and doing what you want to do. He's a fantastic guy. Uh, I have an episode with him. If you guys ever want to get insight into him and his life, go listen to it. Rashawn Valentine. I love you, brother. Thank you for that. Um, I thought that that was very powerful. And um, I shared that amongst Twitter and other things because I think it's important for people to grasp that. I don't think people really understand that just letting go that simple term of letting go of your feelings and letting go of your of your insecurities and your restraints it sounds hard and it is to an extent um but if you just trust that process and you do it wholeheartedly um and you truly believe it i think that at least from a introspective level you're going to look at yourself a little bit differently and it's going to cause little adjustments it's going to cause little changes in like your behavior and how you react to people and how you respond to people and maybe trigger a little bit more honesty in you and maybe trigger a little bit more of a hey what can i do to be better type of mentality uh, and i think that's important so thank you Rashawn, for that that was my second official nuggets of knowledge man helping me out um yeah, nuggets of knowledge. I'm going to start dropping that on you guys when I feel that I find some interesting information out there. Um, speaking of which, interesting information. Here's another odd uh, recent incident that happened. Uh, Nebraska became the first state to execute someone with fentanyl. Yeah, the opioid that's being caught in, like, that's being mixed with heroin and Xanax and a bunch of other weird drugs, street drugs. Um, yeah, fentanyl was used to actually execute somebody. Um, and the reason I'm getting into this topic is because, uh, as I was reading about the fentanyl being used and why it was being used, um, I read about the prisoner that was being executed and I guess it's been 20 years since he was initially supposed to get executed, but there was, you know, arraignments and, uh, appeals and things of that nature. And then in 2015, I believe Nebraska abolished the death penalty, uh, only to reinstate it in 2016 because Nebraska fucking loves killing people, right? So they reinstated the death penalty. Um, in my opinions on the death penalty, they're varied. Um, I, I'm for it for the most part, but I think that there's definitely a, a certain way that it can be done. Um, I don't know how all the states do it. I know some states don't have the death penalty. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know 
I, I, yeah, that's a discussion that I could have at another time. But my opinion of the death penalty is, yeah, I think we should have one. Does it need to be like Texas putting somebody to death all the time? I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird topic and a weird discussion to have. But uh, what was interesting to me is that the gentleman that was put to death was trying to get his lawyer to just drop the case. He wanted to serve out his death penalty. He felt that, uh, you know, he did, there was no reason for him to try to fight it, according to the report from uh, CNN that I was reading. And it got me thinking about uh, assisted suicide and uh, suicide. I, I did a blog a while back. Uh, suicide is a right. Um, you know, when you, when you reach an age of where you're crippled and, and your body's given out on you and you, maybe you don't want to go through a life of suffering or what have you, are you able to make that decision where you end your own life? Um, in a fashion, this gentleman did. This gentleman was pretty much uh, excluding his lawyer or, or he filed a, peti- or I don't know, a petition or a re- he basically filed to have his lawyer removed from the case because he didn't want to be taken off death row. He wanted to be put to death. Um the lawyer even was like, hey, I, what, what can I do for the guy? He doesn't want my help. And they still, I think, made it to where he had to have a representative. But the representative, I guess, didn't have to uh, do anything to try to appeal the death penalty or get it reversed or anything like that. And they kind of just let it ride out on the wishes of the of the prisoner. And to me, that was very interesting. Uh, you know, you're in a situation where we're going to kill you. Like, we're going to because of what you did. And he was on, he was in prison for two murders of, of taxi drivers back in like 1979 to provide some background. So he had murdered people, uh, admitted guilt, uh, admitted to the crimes itself. Like, there wasn't any type of like contention between whether he did it or didn't do it. He did do it. Um, and he was just ready to go. And to me, that's an interesting aspect to all this because you're you're making that decision like on a on a very that's a very real thing to make a decision about is taking your own life um and it's a little bit different in his case because i mean he was going to spend the rest of his life in prison he was already there he's probably looking at the at the end of the tunnel and saying hey there's no light i'm just gonna fucking kick the bucket and give in and just say peace because this ride for me is over i don't feel like there's anything else i need to do maybe maybe he uh i don't, I don't know wanted to die who knows um but to me that's that's the mindset of a prisoner that says, hey, I don't want this to have to be worked out. This is how it's going to end. I'm okay with this. Um, so that coincides with another recent incident that just happened. Richard Russell, the gentleman that stole the American Airlines or the Alaskan Airlines plane. And then in Seattle from the SeaTac airport, he was a grounds crewman. He stole a plane that was empty. Nobody was else was on the plane. He flew it around for an hour and then f- uh, flew it into an island and killed himself blew it up. Uh, nobody was injured. No structures were, were, were damaged. Um, he did it solo by himself, a troubled guy. Uh, you can actually go to YouTube and listen to the um, transmission and the communication between him and the air traffic controllers uh, that were on the ground that were trying to assist him in landing the plane safely. Um, obviously, that did not happen. Uh, but that's another interesting aspect of somebody wanting to leave this place and like take their own life and get rid of this end this game for whatever reason uh and the interesting parts about the richard russell situation is how he did it i mean it was kind of a harrowing and harrowing exit if you ask me he steals a plane from sea airport 
uh, how he stole the plane is is quite the. I guess he got like a tractor and he was able to operate manipulate the plane onto like a runway. Uh, the doors aren't locked. They explain why they don't lock cockpit door or uh, doors onto an airplane. They explain why people have access to airplanes. Uh, if you go to Vice, there's a pretty in depth. Vice and the Washington Post have a pretty in depth review of the incident and uh, the details behind how he was able to access the plane, how he was able to operate it. Apparently, the guy had no prior like pilot training, but on the vi- audio between him and the air traffic controller, he's like, oh, "I've played some video games. I got this," and he's just flying around. So it's it's this is a very weird situation. It wasn't a terrorist attack. It was a guy that was clearly had some issues, probably suicidal. I'm curious to see if he was under the influence of any antidepressants or social anxiety medication. Uh, we all know that there is links to suicidal thoughts and these medications. And we do know that a lot of people that have been involved in these domestic like terrorist attacks or these attacks on civilians as of late. And I say civilians because just average people, um, you know, we've got the, the name, any of them, but the Austin bomber, the guy that did the shooting in South Austin, uh, there's been several links to mental health issues. Um, you know, the gentleman that did the Vegas shooting again, mental health and medications that are used to treat mental health are oftentimes associated with this like erratic behavior, these suicidal behavior. Um, and I think he was probably under the influence of something to that of that nature. Uh, he was definitely probably fucked up or drunk while on the plane. Uh, if you listen to audio, and I don't mean to laugh about the situation, but it's it's funny. And the way he went out is crazy. And I was sitting at a red light yesterday with Becca, and we had just gotten food. And I was like, I can't believe that dude jacked a plane. Because he did. He jacked a plane and then flew around and did like these tricks in the air. These ridiculous people have it. You can look at it. There's people that don't know that this happened too, by the way. And I'm, I'm explaining it as if it's news because there are some people that don't know that an airline was jacked from the SeaTac airport over the weekend and flown into an island. There's people that have not heard that yet. Um, so yeah, he. you can look it up on YouTube. He's doing all these tricks and these stunts. And during the audio, while he's talking to the air traffic controller, he's very open about being damaged, has a couple screws loose. Apparently, he's just now coming to this realization. So maybe over the last, who knows, year or a couple years, he's discovered that he has depression. Um, I posted a video called R.I.P. Sky King on my Facebook. I'll also share it on Twitter. Um, But it it plays dust in the wind over his audio track and footage from, like, his YouTube. Because the gentleman, Richard Russell, he did have a YouTube uh, channel that wasn't you know popular by any means but it did have some views and obviously now people are going to it and seeing what the guy was all about he documented trips you know from the outside perspective it seemed like he was a happy guy obviously he wasn't uh, but to choose to go out in that type of fashion that's kind of crazy right that's kind of hey I'm gonna go out um gracefully on my own no with not taking anybody with me he didn't decide that he was gonna you know go out in a fucking blaze of glory and shoot people or do a mass shooting or take a plane that did have passengers on it could you imagine if he took the plane just because he wanted to kill himself and took all these motherfuckers with him that'd be crazy right didn't do any of that flew into an island where there wasn't anybody on there to be hurt or to be injured no structures were damaged literally only costed alaska airlines millions of dollars and uh caused a fire in uh Puget Sound I believe is how you say it or Puget Sound however you say it in Seattle um and to me that's like okay I mean you wanted to go you went in a very unique and interesting way like holy shit man 
you fucking you did it for sure whatever you did you did it um but again why why did he choose to say hey i don't want to be here anymore i don't want to be on in this game anymore i don't want to be on this level i want to be out of here um did he think he was going anywhere after did he think he was going to have any type of release or um you know serenity at the end of it who knows he mentions wanting serenity uh in the video or in the audio um he acknowledges that he has friends and family that love him and that he's uh he's sorry for what he's doing he acknowledges that uh he is he's he's doing this because he has issues um and he like jokingly at one point goes you think they're gonna give me a job after if I get out of this and then uh, or, you know, he goes, you think I get a job as a pilot? And the ATC guy goes, I think you can get a job doing just about anything if you get through this. And he laughs and goes, oh, yeah, right, man. I'm a white guy. So there might be a little bit of 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 tension somewhere, whether it be a race issue or whether it be he felt he was being outcast or maybe um, I don't know if ostracized is the right word. But, you know, maybe he felt that there were some sort of issues uh, culturally and socially that he was a victim of or being impacted by. Maybe not a victim. Maybe he wasn't a victim in any way, but maybe he was being impacted by certain things that were going on. And he just decided he wanted out. Uh, very interesting way to go out. Very interesting uh, process as you, as you decide you want to exit Earth. Uh, exit life, I guess. Maybe not exit Earth, but exit life. Um, to To go out like that, stealing a plane. Um, so that's interesting. That's a, a very unique story. And for any of you out there that, that haven't heard about it or maybe have just heard about it, but didn't really like dig in deep, it's not a deep complex story at all, but I encourage you to just look into it and, and watch the videos and listen to the audio because it's this weird perspective. I, I understand it could scare people. I was on Reddit last night having some conversations with some people and a lot of people were like, man, I can't listen to this audio. It, it makes me upset. It makes me fearful. It makes me uh, sad. It makes me mad because it's just, you know, you're listening to a guy's last words pretty much. Um, the day that it happened, me and Becca were sitting down talking and I, I was, I thought that there like could have been like a negotiator on, on trying to get him to land the plane. They were very like shouting orders at him. Um, not like shouting aggressively or being demanding from him, but they were like just giving him instructions rather than trying to have a conversation with him. And I get, they were trying to get him to just land the plane and uh land it safely and get him you know get him out of harm's way they didn't know what he was going to do other than he was going to i'll probably take the plane down himself but you know they probably didn't know if he was going to try to take it to a city or into a building or who knows um and so i understand why they approached it that way and i don't really know what you could even do to talk a guy down that's flying a plane with a death wish i don't think there's any way you could talk him out of that um but hearing what he has to say hearing how he responds to the people I, again, believe he was under the influence of something. I know that they recovered the body. I don't know if they contested for anything because it was all uh, mangled and jacked up, uh, burned, and, and just a mess because obviously he flew a plane into the fucking ground. Uh, but I'm interested in, in, in what put him in that mindset because it's a very real take on what he's feeling. And, you know, he apologizes. He sounds remorseful. It sounds like he gets upset at one point during the audio. Um but then he's also like joking about doing barrel rolls. And yeah, I think I'm just going to uh, get this thing, do a barrel roll. And then if I can get that done, I'm just going to take it nose down and call it a night. Like, 
he was joking pretty much while he was on the line with these air traffic controllers, which leads me to believe that he wasn't in the proper mental state uh, at the time. And it does sound like he's maybe uh, just not all there in terms of talking to the air traffic controller and responding because his answers are sometimes nonchalant. He jokes about playing video games, and that's why he's so skilled at flying the plane. Laughs about that a little bit. Um, but the story... In, it, in itself, I think, is bigger than just him taking his life and, like, the uniqueness of the situation. I think it has a lot to do with mental health, and I think it has a lot to do with how people are being treated, and I'm curious to see if they're going to find anything in them or if they're going to be able to even um, even go that route and trying to figure out if there was anything in his system because of, of the state of his body. But, you know, I wonder if people are going to look into that any deeper than than what's happened i feel you know when we have serious situations that happen whether it be violent situations or um you know a mass shooting gets a lot of coverage and a a event sports event gets a lot of coverage there's a lot of things that get a lot of coverage and i feel like this has already kind of been pushed to the wayside and i think that this is a real issue that needs to be discussed this is an issue that should have some attention on it and it's the mental health issue um, maybe not so much just in the United States, maybe around the world. I don't really know how it impacts other countries, but I know that here in the United States, mental health is looked at a lot differently than it is in other countries. Um, and I think that there's a, a, a reason why we see so many disgruntled people, uh, and a reason why we see so many people in situations where they feel helpless or they feel like they can't progress or get out or, or escape or succeed or climbs whatever ladder they're trying to climb um and there's got to be a reason why right there's got to be a reason why there's so many people that are uh that are dissatisfied with their life or with what is going on in the world um and not to make this sound like a not to take the tone to like a serious tone, but I, I do believe that. I believe that mental health is something that needs to be looked at very seriously and how we treat mental health, not necessarily mental health uh, disorders need to be looked at because I, they, people are researching these constantly all the time. There's always new breakthroughs and how to get people to adapt and cope and, um, and whether it be people that are born with uh, mental health issues or people that suffer traumatic brain injuries or suffer from like PTSD or any type of um, mental health issue that may be brought on due to an event or um, due to, you know, an illness. Um, just how we approach that and how we treat people for that is to me, I don't know. I think that that's a focus that needs to, needs to, there needs to be more focus on that. I think that it's real easy for people to be prescribed pharmaceuticals. I think it's really easy for people just to be given a pill and a prescription and say, hey, take this, call me in the morning, blah, blah, blah. I don't think enough attention is on the uh, health of people, not only mental health, but physical health. Um, I don't think people's uh, social and cultural uh, situations are put into account when prescribing them these medications. Um, and I deal with this on a, on a slight personal level. Uh, just with my mom being uh, being in the situation with her health that she's in. She's not mentally uh, in having any issues, but physically she's getting older and just getting arthritis and having little aches and pains here and there. And the way that those issues are handled 
it may it seems that mental health issues are handled the same way and i don't think that's necessarily the case like they give my mom pills left and right to help with these little physical ailments and she's now seeing like a specialist and a nutritionist and all these different people that are trying to get her on a more um health regulated path rather than just giving her medication and hoping that that uh, band-aids the issue because that's ultimately what's going on when you're given like antidepressants or um you know, if you're getting given medication for a certain ailment that carries a dozen other side effects or two dozen other side effects, you're really just band-aiding a problem with potentially other problems. Um, in a lot of cases, not in every case, but in a lot of cases. Uh, and I think mental health is looked at that way. And it's like, oh, well, here you go. Take this pill and you should be good. I'm like, no, I think that it needs to be looked at a little bit differently. And I think that um, maybe, you know, the big topic right now that could be uh, uh, they could be talked about that maybe will steer away from pharmaceutical drugs is like natural medicine, like MDMA, marijuana, um, maybe working with, I didn't mean MDMA, I meant mushrooms. Mushrooms, marijuana, MDMA is uh, molly. Uh, obviously, that is a synthetic drug, but that has also been tested to help patients uh, recover or help patients with PTSD, uh, social anxiety disorders. That has helped patients uh, when they've applied MDMA intravenously. I know that ketamine's been used to help with people people with depression. Um, the one of the writers for uh, the Chappelle Show talks about it a lot, going under ketamine treatment. Um, I think that there's definite. Uh, there's a couple like even like drugs like not ayahuasca, but there's a drug similar to ayahuasca that. Uh, its success rate of getting people to kick heroin is astronomical. It's like 70%. 70% of the people that take this drug stop taking heroin. And those are people that suffer from heroin addictions. I forget what that drug is called right now. Um, I don't have it up pulled up in front of me. But be, be, benz, benzenine? I don't know. Anyways, uh, the point is there's other, I think, alternatives to treating mental health issues and, and, and mental disorders. Um and I think that this incident with the Alaskan Airlines plane is a catalyst for having that discussion, in my opinion. Um, and yeah, I thought that that was important to talk about because it's, again, a suicide-based... Um, yeah, it, it kind of coincided with the uh, prison inmate wanting to go through with his execution and the, the, the mind state of people, you know? That's a certain mind state for people who want to give up and, and leave and call it a day. And I think that that needs to have some attention. And I'm not saying that we need to, like, these people need to be cured. or But the whole thought of, like, the whole, pers like, life and death aspect needs to be readdressed. And why people feel the way, to feel the need to live a life and people feel the need to not live their lives and not be here. And, and it, should that be uh, considered a mental health issue? Should being suicidal and not want to be here be considered a mental health issue? What's mental health? What's considered people being mentally healthy and mentally unhealthy um is having uh depression or social anxiety uh should it be looked at as a mental health issue and you should you be given chemicals that alter your brain's chemistry or should it be looked at from like a dietary perspective should it be looked at from an exercise perspective you know should it be looked at differently mental health as a whole i think should be looked at differently that was my point for that uh little sidebar conversation anyways i think that leaves us 
to close this bitch up. Um, yeah, I wanted to talk about going home, and I wanted to talk about these two uh, instances that just happened because I think that they kind of have this uh, social and cultural impact. Um, and they both deal with chaos and order, baby. And that's what we're here to talk about, chaos and order. I appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Um, something that I will leave you with, this weird scenario, uh, to just kind of like a thought project. Um, so in California, you can now drive around and have marijuana on you because it's legal, right? Legalization of weed. Uh, and in Texas, you can drive around and carry guns and ammo. Um, I just saw recently Tim Kennedy, who is in Austin, Texas, uh, who resides in Austin, Texas right now. I don't know if he's an Austin, Texas native, but he resides in Austin, Texas. Um, he recently stood uh, in like the streets here in Austin and did, we'll work for ammo, had a work, we'll work for ammo sign because he's gun nut. And um, people were like giving him ammo, but a lot of people gave him shit because of how it was like mocking the homeless or he wasn't helping them. And he did. He gave every piece of change or money that he got, he gave to the people that were on the streets. He didn't keep it. Uh, Tim Kennedy is a fucking lovely human being. So if you have an issue with what he did, fuck you. Um, But it got me thinking, uh, hey, we've got um, people just driving around with guns constantly. And if you were to get pulled over and you have your license, your your concealed carry license or your open carry license, whatever it is, and you're allowed to have your gun in your car and you're allowed to have your ammo, at what point does an officer that pulls you over go, man, I trust this person to just carry on with their day, that they're not going to go, uh, you know, shoot up a bunch of people. It's got to be a weird thing, right? To be a cop, pull somebody over, know that they have guns and ammo. Maybe you pulled them over for not using a turn signal or for something stupid like that. Um, and you see that they have a bunch of guns and ammo in their car and you question them and they seem like they're just going to go about their day and live it, live it, live it, live their truth and, you know, not go on a massacre, not go crazy. Uh, but to be that officer and be like, no, I trust you. And then to let them go about their day. It's a weird, weird thought process, right? It's weird. It's gotta be a weird position to be in. Um, same with being in California with all the weed. Like, Hey, you got a bunch of weed in your car. I'm just going to let you go now because it's legal. Like, at what point did, just because it's now legal, oh, okay, I'm going to let you go. Well, are you going to go and get super high and stone and drive around? Not that you would do that or I'm trying to argue against legalization of weed. I'm just trying to give you guys that thought project. How weird would it be to be that cop and pull that person over and that person either has A, a bunch of weed in their car, or B, a bunch of guns and ammo in their car? Which one would you trust more? Which one would you say, hey, go about your day, sir. I trust you more. How would you approach that situation? I don't know. I thought about that while I was on the way over here because I had nothing else to think about. And that's it, baby. We're out of here. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening to the show. As always, commonchaos.net for all your needs. We have merch up. Um, please go back and check out the podcast that I did with Andrew and the podcast I did with JJ and my blog about being home. Uh, this is the wrap-up to that. I had a great time. Everybody back home in Palm Springs, California, Coachella Valley. Mwah! I love you guys. Thank you for embracing me the way that you do. I'll be back soon. Um, I believe next week we have two guests coming on the show next week. Um, one of them I will not say right now because it's kind of a surprise and we're going to blast it through his social medias. Uh, the other guest is going to be Trent Knox, my boy, Trent, the person that was on, the gentleman that was on my very, very first episode and has been in a couple other episodes with me as a co-host. A good buddy of mine out here in Austin, Texas is going to be back on the show. He has his podcast, The Trent Knox Show. He's also working with this uh, company called Creators out here. Uh, and he's also keeping the awesome live and local thing going. So we're going to be chatting with him, uh, talking about a bunch of crazy shit that's going on in the world uh, and the chaos and the order, baby, because that's what we're here to do. We're here to bring you that balance. I am your host. As always, Brian Kern. I love you guys. Thank you for tuning in. 
and I will talk to you later. Love you. Bye.